0: This is Photo Biz X, episode number 449. and to say I'm excited to bring you today's guest is a total understatement. And I know you are going to connect at a special level to what he shares. If you are the kind of photographer who struggles at all with marketing, if you find it icky, stressful, salesy, you just don't like the idea of marketing, and the thought of it makes you squirm at all, you're going to love our special guest has to share. And that special guest is David Dusherman, and his interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you
1: planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich.
0: Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I am going to keep things short today because this interview, this episode is coming to you while I'm on holidays. I'm in bright Victoria, the sunny Australian Alps. (laughs) That's right. We definitely do not have snow all year round here in Australia, but these are the highest mountains we have. And I'm down here with a bunch of friends riding our bikes in preparation for a trip to France later in the year. But don't be fooled. It's not all about strenuous exercise down here. There's plenty of drinking going on. Maybe not to the same excess, well, not from me anyway, as my young son Jordan Tends to do and I guess I did maybe you did too at his age but there are definitely some drinks plenty of food lots of riding some golf and generally just enjoying a week off so yeah I'm going to keep things short today we're going to get into this interview with David Dushman in just a second I am sure and confident that you are familiar with his name because it is synonymous with photography and photographers in the world of photography before we get into that interview with David, if you didn't catch last week's interview with Megan Depiro, you absolutely have to get back and have a listen to that one. Members and listeners have come back to me saying it's one of the best interviews they've heard in a long, long time. Megan is an incredible business operator, super successful, and what she shared will definitely challenge the way you think about photography and your business. She basically says, that unless you go high-end, then you better prepare to fail in business. And of course, she backs that up, not only by walking the walk, but with a brand new book as well. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest says on his About page, I want to help you make the strongest, most compelling photographs of your life and to do so with joy and freedom, to make photographs that are more than just good, but truly your own. Now, isn't that every photographer's dream? What I truly love about this guest is his ability to break photography into words that make you want to grow as a photographer and without pushing more gear and gizmos down your throat to become more creative. Instead, his focus is teaching photographers to actually see and capture what's in front of them in more creative ways. Now, in addition to what he teaches and writes about, he has seen more of the world than most, over 50 countries to date, often on assignment for the international NGO community. He is the brain's author and photographer behind the incredible photography resources at Craft and Vision, the Audience Academy and Standing Room Only. He also authored a book, or the book, A Beautiful Anarchy which I felt was so good I purchased over 100 copies for PhotobizX members back in 2014. That book is now a podcast too. If you do an image search for his name, you can't help but feel a little jealous of the life he's living. I'm talking about the prolific, talented, and optimistic David Dushman, and I'm rapt to have him here with us now. David, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. Wow, what an introduction. I can't wait to hear what this guy has to say. <laughs> Thank you. It's what an honor to be here, Andrew.
0: When I describe you, you know, when I was thinking about adjectives on how to describe you, I had to throw in optimistic there. Is that true? Uh,
1: It's funny, you said it, and I don't think anyone has ever used that in introducing me, but I like to think I am. I think I'm an optimistic pessimist, if one can be so. I Very rarely do I think any of our labels actually apply to us in a very binary kind of way. And yes, I'm very optimistic in terms of what I believe I can accomplish in this world and the impact that I can have. I'm somewhat pessimistic of just about the general direction things are going, but I think that's the fuel behind my desire to be a part of change-making and to be in this world and create it, you know, not just create photographs, but create a difference, make a change. And so yeah, I would say it's more complicated than whether I'm one or the other, but there's probably a a particular mix of both that seems to push me forward and keep me from, you know, drowning myself in a bathtub, you know, out of despair. So I think that's an important balance to play there.
0: For sure. When you think of photography, do you think of creativity, artistic pursuits or business?
1: You know, it's both. And it's funny. I intended to be a photographer when I was quite young. I picked up the camera when I was 14. And by the time I was 16, I was this medium just made sense to me in a way that nothing else had. And I wanted to be a professional photographer. And I went to sort of job shadow a photographer at a studio for a couple of days. And by the end of that couple of days, I thought this is not, there was no photography going on. And so I, I left it. I pursued other things. I did a, a 12-year career in comedy And it was only after that 12 years that I came back to the desire to do something with my photography. And I knew when I returned that it would be, I would do humanitarian photography, that those were the stories I wanted to use. I'd learned to use my storytelling tool, but I didn't, I never knew what stories I wanted to tell. And one day it just clicked. So I knew I wanted to do that. And I knew I wanted to teach because I've always loved photography and I love writing and communicating. So it's both. And I think the two ideas that you've just expressed, the artistic and the creativity and the business, where they come together is if creating and running a business, being an entrepreneur is not on its own an act of creativity, I think we're in trouble. And I think there's a playground there for those that want to not only make beautiful photographs, make a difference, but make a living at it. There's this beautiful space where I think it can be tremendously Creative. It can be very authentic. The way that I do it will be different than the way you do it. And so, all of the principles and they come together, I think, in a beautiful anarchy in the book and the podcast is this idea that we make, we're, we're hardwired to make. So, those of us that have chosen photography as our medium, we make photographs, but we make other things too. We make a home, we make families, we make a difference, we make, you know, a business. And it all happens in this sort of melting. Kind of weird melting pot where all the pieces come together. And I think there's a tremendous amount of freedom in that if we're not thinking, how should I run my business? But what are the possibilities? How could I do it in a way that's totally unique to me, that maybe accesses an audience that's totally unique to me and serves them in a way that maybe no one else can do quite in the way I do? I think that's a profound moment of realization, both for ourselves as business people and photographers, but also for the people. That we will choose to serve. There's something in there that I think is is a really is very rich.
0: So do you honestly believe that is still possible, you know, to be unique as a photographer and a business operator and be successful?
1: I very much do. I think it's in the mix. We all come from a very different place. And if you're willing to, I think the big business opportunities are always going to be in the underserved or unserved niches. So it's going to be hard work. But yes, I absolutely believe that there is a place for, (laughs) it's sort of like saying, do you honestly believe you could still make an original painting or any medium? It's just that ours is a little bit weirder because it's photography and business. But that's where creativity has always thrived, in the mashups, in the remixes, in the taking a step back and going, okay, I see how everyone else is doing it, but I'm going to do it differently. And it's going to look like this. And I have no idea if it's going to fly. But those, I think, are the real opportunities and not only an opportunity, you know, to make money, but to do it in a way that, that challenges us, that get, puts us daily into flow and to that point where business is not like, oh, I got to go to work. It's I get to go to work. This is what I get to do. And it's no guarantees. Every Monday is like, OK, here we go again. Let's see, let's see if this week's labors will produce the kind of fruit I hope for. And hopefully you learn your lessons when you fall on your face. And, you know, at the end of the week, you're a few steps further, but I very much believe that there are opportunities because it's in the mix and no one has the mix that you do. No one on the planet has the mix that I do. And that's not, we're not speaking in terms of one being better than another. It's purely about diversity and the differences, you know?
0: Yeah. So when you use the word or the term audience, are you talking about an influencer or is it, you know, can be an audience of one? Or like, what is audience to you in regards to a successful photography business?
1: Uh, that's a very good question. And, and the answer to your follow-up questions is, yeah, in a sense it is influencer, but I, w- I would argue that it's not influencer with a capital I. It's not the social, it's not the Instagram. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to places around the world and taking selfies in front of them. And because frankly, while some are making businesses that way, I don't think sustainable, I think that it's a tiny little, we have a moment in history where that's going to work for some people, but what they are leveraging often are emotions like jealousy and envy. and You know, like I want to live that, you know, I want to drive this guy's car. Or I want to live in this guy's van and, you know, whatever. But to have influence, I think is a really beautiful thing. It's to affect change in people's lives and to inspire them. And I get emails all the time. People saying, you know, I'm living vicariously through you and My life calling is to help them live vicariously through themselves. (laughs) But yeah, so because I did comedy, because I've been a speaker and I've done every, I see my, some people will use the word market, but I like the word audience because a market, it doesn't necessarily listen to you. They'll shell out some dollars when you put an ad in front of them that interests them. But an audience by definition are those who listen to you, those who pay attention to you. And I think it's so much bigger than just selling them something. And it's a much more relationship-driven paradigm. It's a two-way street. I serve them, and they return that value with a different kind of value, often in the form of some kind of currency. So I think it's bigger than just looking at this is my market, because I think there are many different markets. Any photographer says, oh, you know what, the market won't pay that say, well, yeah, that one market won't pay that, but there must be, if there are people in this world that buy Ferraris and Porsches, and there must be a market, mm-hmm. and maybe you haven't drilled down deep enough. Maybe you're not niche enough. Maybe you're looking at you know capital M market, but not that tiny one way over in the corner that's got your fingerprint on it that will be totally different from everyone else's. And in which case, there's no such thing as competition. This is going to sound so arrogant, Andrew, but nobody competes with me and nobody can compete with me. And it's not because I'm any better than anyone else. In fact, my business chops may be considerably less than others, but I'm operating on the principle that my business, my audience comes to me because of that mix that we talked about earlier. All I have to do is show up and really, really relentlessly serve my audience the way that I do and others will do. And so it's more complimentary than than competitive, I think.
0: Nice. So let me just take you back to the audience question, because let's say you're talking directly to a wedding photographer and they might be photographing, so let's say 30, 35 weddings a year. So they'll be dealing with 35 couples each year. That by theory is their audience. Is that correct? That's who they have influence over?
1: Sure. I absolutely believe that. And Again, this paradigm is not going to work for everyone, but I don't think that it won't work for you just because you're a wedding photographer. I think people come to you because of what you offer them. It's all about value. So that's one of the reasons, you know, your website's going to do much better if you talk less about yourself and more about them, because they don't actually care about us. They care about what we bring to them, the value, the way that we can solve a problem, the way that we can, you know, elevate an experience in the case of a wedding photographer We could potentially just be someone who knows how to make a photograph, but everyone knows how to use a camera. I mean, you know, this whole, everyone's a photographer. Well, yeah, they are. And that's the big opportunities for us now to go well beyond that in our service to our audience. And so the question then is, yes, I'm a wedding photographer, but that doesn't define my audience. My audience are the people that listen, that will choose me over someone else because Maybe I do a documentary style of photography, black and white. Maybe I'm still using film and they really like that idea. Maybe I'm from a certain part of, you know canada or austria you know i live on the west coast so maybe there's an audience there that as i get further and further into knowing the people the kind of people that hire me and i realize you know what it actually turns out they're all from the pacific northwest of canada they're all i'm I'm making this up because i'm not a wedding photographer but they all happen to be kind of they happen to be vegan because they follow me on instagram and there's sort of a thread of care for the planet and plant-based um again the mix Those people are going to come to me for my aesthetic, for my values, my ethics, the way that I talk in my marketing and I make them laugh. And that same thing, by the way, is going to put some people off. They're going to be like, oh, that guy's a little too irreverent. I don't like his sense of humor, you know? So the more you refine, the more you really understand, yes, I'm a wedding photographer, but these are the kinds of people that I serve. Not to define or not to be prescriptive about it. Of course, you'll take anyone. But you know that these are the ones that are going to come back. They're going to refer their hipster friends or vegan friends or, you know, if you can think niche, that's the little space, not the space that you own. You know, I own this corner of the market. If you have to use the idea of corner of the market, it's the corner of the market that so perfectly fits the contours of who you are that those particular people maybe not forever but for that time in their life will resonate with you and what you say and so it affects it affects the headlines that you write in your emails uh, your subject lines it affects the tone in your social the color palette of your of your website it all comes out of that and the paradigm of audience the people that are listening to you may not perfectly work for you but hopefully that idea of the underserved niche will because I really believe that's where if you're competing as a commodity, commodities don't want niches. Brands want niches. And you can be a commodity if you want, but then you're forced to negotiate your way down to the bottom. And it's a race to the bottom with the commodity people, whereas the brand people, those that are, (laughs) it takes some courage to do this because you're saying, I'm this and I'm not everything else. So you're kind of, you're really, you're putting yourself into a little bit of a corner but that's the corner that where all of the people that are just as weird as you are that are are that particular mix that resonate with those things those are the people that are going to be your fans for life and will refer you to others you know we all say that referrals and word of mouth marketing that's the best marketing and yet no one seems to actually put their money where their mouth is they're all off spending money on facebook ads totally fine but Imagine if you had people that just loved you and what you did. That they wanted more of it. That now they're they're married. Now they're having kids. Would they hire you to do their? You're going to be like, nah, I don't do that. And they're going to be like, please, 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 photograph my babies because we love you. And those kind of lifelong relationships. That's what a business gets built on. Not anyone can sell something to a person once. You want the people that you're going to exchange value for value over the course of their lives, over your lives. may not work for everyone. You know, if you're strictly a high school seniors photographer, you'll have to jig that model a bit. But I I really believe, even as a high school senior photographer, the underserved niche will serve you better than, you know, the shotgun approach. Sure. That was a long answer. Sorry about that. I hope I drilled down enough for you.
0: You No, but no, and you bring up some great points. It's really we're focusing on becoming a brand and appealing to our ideal audience. But you said something that I think will resonate with a lot of photographers, a lot of listeners, and that's the fact that, you know, in the beginning, we tend to shoot everything. I mean, I'm a perfect case in point. My first business name was Weddings Portraits Anything, which is absolutely (laughs) scary. Perfect. So how do you suggest, how do you think is the best way... To narrow our niche, do we just go all in one day or do we slowly push people away as we narrow down our niche? We let people know that we're a vegan, that we want to serve our vegan clients, you know, for example, or people that are passionate about the environment uh, that want small weddings in the bush rather than in a chapel. Like, Do we do that over time or do we just go, Let's, this is it, I'm going to make the jump?
1: Yes, yes to both. Honestly, this gets to the, you know, the conversation about, you know, doing business the way that that fits you. Some people will, for example, be so driven. Like when I came back to photography, I knew I was going to do humanitarian photography. I was not going to do this. I was not going to do that. I have very specific, I was very sort of, I had this idea and I was compelled by it. Don't get me wrong, I had no idea whether it was going to work out or not, but I was very driven to pursue that. And that helped me define by virtue of the fact that I was not selling wedding packages. I was talking to a very specific community who worked to solve very specific problems, lots of diversity within that, but it was very, and I could have niched down even further. I could have said I serve only the sub-Saharan African non-governmental organization. I serve only, you know, grassroots organizations or faith-based organizations. I pick one of those areas at which they fork off. So that's one approach. And even in that, if that's what you choose, you will learn as you spend more time with that audience and the people that are hiring you, you will learn to understand their problems a little better. You will see little opportunities where you kind of fear off and one day you realize you're now in this very, you're only shooting, you know, educational NGOs in Cambodia that work with you know landmine victims i'm making this up but there are times when you just you see an opportunity and you're not thinking well you know gosh how can i niche down a little further it just sort of comes to you but there are those that just probably need to at the beginning of it or those that are easing in you're going to want to look around and kind of say who are the people that i'm currently serving what do they have in common the ones that are my ideal clients, what do they share in common? And one of the better questions is what little corner of the world do I really understand? Because if you understand that corner of the world, you can serve them, you can speak their language, you can access you know, the kind of emotions that drive them. You'll write better subject lines for your emails. I know, for example, the biggest part of my audience are photographers because I've transitioned out of humanitarian photographer for various reasons. And I had an accident and it's not very interesting, but I mostly serve photographers now, and I love it. It's uh, I started jumping in saying, I'm going to be a humanitarian photographer, and I'm going to teach. The teaching has become almost everything to me. But I don't just teach photographers. I teach photographers that primarily, at least in terms of the craft of photography, they're over 50 years old. They have a little more disposable income. Many of them are retiring from a job as an executive. They're, they want to access their more creative side the more I get comfortable with the very specific people that make up that audience, it's fuzzy around the edges. They're not perfectly well-defined. But the more I see what's in common with them, the better I can communicate with them, the better I understand their frustrations, the things that keep them up at night. And so I can write things for them that are a gift. They send me emails and go, oh my gosh, thank you so much for writing that. You know, I really feel like you understand where I'm at. And when clients are saying that to you, you know that you're in the sweet spot when they're sending you thank yous for what others would look at as, you know, <laughs> marketing materials. You know, I got another email from David. I, I got to put everything aside and read it because I love how these emails make you feel. You know, you're in the sweet spot when something like that is happening. So the more you understand them, the better you are. And then the better you can create opportunities for them to exchange value for that, you know, if I'm going to make a course, I'm not going, okay, what could I teach? You know, Looking around my room going, okay, there's got to be something I can teach here. I, I'm responding when I make a new course for my audience. I'm responding to hundreds of emails where they go, wow, that last course was really good. I sure wish there was something out there on this. Or, you know, I'm creating a new course right now. It's about what happens when, you know, you go out, you go on a trip. A lot of my clients are travel photographers or wildlife photographers or whatever. You come back and you've got thousands of photographs. Now, what do I do? Well, my next course answers that question. Now what? Let's talk. take a look at how you edit without getting overwhelmed. Let's take a look at how you stay organized, how you back up your stuff. Let's take a look at how you put it into the world, make a slideshow, put it easily onto the website in five minutes instead of fighting with, you know, HTML or whatever. That opportunity comes up because I listened. To me, that's the beautiful thing about an audience. And if you're doing it right, thousands of people are listening to me, but I'm listening to them too. When they issue feedback, I'm kind of going, oh, okay. You know, I know some of these people by name now. They've written in, they've commented on the blog, some of them go traveling with me. And I'm just making little notes going with if, you know, if Ian struggles with this, someone else is struggling with this. You know, if Diane has been dealing with this one question and I'm answering it over email, could I be serving 80,000 people by making that accessible to them? So these are all, all ways in which that that audience paradigm has helped me. And some will just jump right in because they're very clear on what they want. And then they'll kind of evolve into that sweet spot and others will evolve into that sweet spot with no particular one inciting incident where they just abandon everything.
0: I love it. I love it. So, you know, talking about you and your journey, you made a pretty big move. um, I think it was a little over a year ago now to leave social media. I mean, you got off Instagram, you got off Facebook, Was that a form of niching down? Was it a form of just getting some time? Why did you do that?
1: (laughs) That that was a form of putting my oxygen mask on before helping others. Um, (laughs) I have wrestled with social. I've been on social for years, but social has changed and I have changed. And the points at which we intersect have become fewer and fewer. So I feel very strongly that for me, social was taking up far more of my time than I wanted it to it was taking far more of my attention than I wanted to. And I didn't like the emotions that it was arousing in me in terms of, you know, I mentioned earlier, the Instagrams, kind of my cynical perspective. When I look through Instagram or Facebook, and all I see is bickering. And there's a lot of other good things on there. Don't get me wrong. But those are the things that really kind of they have the rough edges that catch on me and bother me. And I'm feeling I'm feeling more sold to than anything else. The advertisements have gotten out of control. And I just, I see a a homogenizing influence in social. The, The algorithm encourages a certain kind of photography, discourages a certain kind. I feel like it's diminishing our individualism. Part of this is in our response to it. We're the ones who are responsible. But at the end of the day, I kind of was like, I just don't want to do it anymore. I feel... Like, I could become. We are everywhere. Everyone is everywhere right now. And as a result, no one is scarce. <laughs> My wife often, you know, she's she uh, consumes social, but she just doesn't post to it. And the people that really drive her crazy are the ones that are always posting, always posting. And she's like, they just don't give me time to miss them. And I sort of realized, you know, if there are that many voices out there to really pay attention to them, maybe we need a little more space. Maybe we need a little more silence. And So it was purely an act of self-preservation on my part and knowing that because I did not just kind of wake up one day and say, I'm going to ditch social. I wrestled with it for several years and I finally realized actually what it is, is my letting go of the promise that social is making, not the actual results. And so I just went off for a while. I gave it a try. And nothing changed. I was still interacting with my audience through email, comments on my blog. Actually, that interaction was augmented. It was amplified because I was no longer on social. So instead of looking at four or five different places for interaction, I was looking at two. I could spend a little more time because I was a little less overwhelmed. I could spend more time. And social is a very, uh, can be, a very fluffy kind of medium. The interactions are not always super deep because you're on there kind of look at a picture scroll look at a picture scroll you know leave a comment leave an emoji thumbs up you know um and i found that when i stopped i was getting these much more robust conversations much more intimate people that were because now it's not public necessarily it's not they're emailing that their actual problems mm-hmm. and they have the courage to be vulnerable about it and which is important for me. Not some, some people are going to be listening to this like, oh my God, I really don't need to hear all my, my audience's problems. I just want to sell them a portrait package. Well, that's valid. But if you understand them even a little more than you do now, you're going to know how to communicate to them better and serve them better. So yeah, that was the kind of the motivating force behind my leaving. And for the time being, look, the current stats say that just on Facebook, take Facebook, that you're lucky if your existing audience, the people that are following you, if three to 7% of them see what you post, three to 7%, I can send out an email and I'm guaranteed, unless I screw it up somehow, I'm guaranteed 30% of my audience is going to open it. Like That's the minimum. Well, I mean, my math is terrible, Andrew, but I know that that 30 is bigger than three. <laughs> it's even bigger than seven. And even if those numbers are off, I know that 30 is better than 20 or 10. And everyone I've talked to that's been on social, nobody says, oh, yeah, I just, I'm thrilled with how many people see the posts I put up. Well, of course we're not, because Facebook wants us to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not convinced that's a great ROI. So I hope no one listening is like, oh, OK, well, David said it's, it's really, you know, it may not work for you. Everything in marketing is experimentation. You got to test it. You got to look at numbers and you got to figure out whether it's working for you. And you, you can't just leave social and go, oh, well, it didn't work you replace it with something else. You fill the void and you spend that time that you've regained by speaking more directly or more deeply to your audience or exploring a different part of that audience. It was not a move to regain my time so much as put it into time that is on which I'm getting a much stronger return.
0: So you must laugh when you hear other people say, email's dead. You must laugh in their face.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, everyone's saying... Blogs are dead. Email's dead. The web is dead. It's all going to be replaced by apps. And every time someone says, you know, this thing is dead, I'm like, that's a very uncreative way to look at it. It may no longer be useful to you. There may be huge portions of the popular, but dead to whom? You know, if your audience is, as I have discovered over the years, is primarily older English speaking People with disposable income, because they're photographers, and let's face it, if you can afford a camera, you're doing okay relative to some of the populations i photograph. photographed. And I've, suddenly I've lost my job. Oh, the email is dead. So yeah, when you realize that, you realize actually social was never as big for them. Maybe social is dead for them now. Maybe it's not that email is dead. But the stats are still there. The metrics still support email being the form of communication that people give more time to, take more seriously. It's a different medium. You can't just kind of lump it all in together. If if social gets more and more fluffy, more and more full of advertisements, and email is still, there's an email from David. I know that it's 1,200 words long. I got to put the coffee on and spend 15 minutes reading it. I am going to get their attention in a way that I could not do one with a Instagram post. I just couldn't. They're not there to read 1,200 words. They're there to see a pretty picture and keep on scrolling. So they're different mediums, and the question is never: Is it dead? Is you know, is TV dead? Well, to some people, but maybe not to your audience, maybe not to the niche that you serve. So you really have to be a little bit more specific about oh, to whom email it may or may not be dead. Because no, I don't think it's dead at all. If I, this is very crass. So I, the caveat here is that I believe making money should not be something of which we're ashamed, but you got to do it in beautiful ways. You've got to do it in a way that. Honors other people that that makes other. If I sell you something for ten dollars, my ethics says you better be getting twenty or thirty dollars out of, of value out of that. So going back to my imminently crass statement, if I want to make money, I send an email. It converts better than social for my audience. It is a stronger medium. And so you mentioned Craft and Vision. I have these ebooks and that sort of thing on the site. And yes, occasionally someone will go, oh, you know what? Uh, let me let me see what's on Craft and Vision. But they have to something inside them has to compel them to go to craft and vision and look and they'll look through and they're like, Oh, okay, well, yeah, maybe I'll get the, the conversion there is way lower than if I send out an email and I talk about the benefits of this one particular book and remind them that it's there. Maybe I give, you know, let them know that you could buy you know volume one and volume two together for the next week for a bit of a discount. I'm wary of discounts. I don't do a lot of discounts, but, that scratches an itch for them. They start reading. Maybe I give them a sample chapter and they read it and they're like, wow, I've already learned so much. I got to I gotta get the rest. You can do that in email. It's really hard to do it in social. And on social, it's even worse because the minute you put an outbound link, the minute you're like, oh, check out the rest on Facebook goes, uh, no, <laughs> no, you don't tell you what, we'll send you an invoice. You pay that sucker. And then we'll maybe show people this post. Exactly. For me, the numbers don't make sense. I know there are people out there that are killing it on Facebook and they're killing it with SEO. And I don't do that. But for me to say SEO is dead is I'd be a lunatic. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work for me. I pay no attention to SEO. I just know that if I write relevant content and it's in a lot of places online, the SEO will take care of itself. I spend my time going, what relevant thing could I create for my audience that will make their lives better? And the rest takes care of itself. So I think it behooves all of us to, when we're having those kind of internal conversations, not to say, oh, oh, man, I just read a new article on Wired that said email's dead. I better get off email. No, is it dead to you? And more important, is it dead to your audience? Or are they are they older? They're not on social, emails, everything to them, and you're getting an open rate of 70%. Well, <laughs> clearly, that's what tells you email's dead or not for you if you're not getting the results and you've given it a good shot and you know what you're doing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. And the big question now is, you know, in reference to what you said earlier, how do we create an email that produces an income, you know, that generates sales that people love to read? I mean, that's the holy grail, isn't it? I mean, you're writing these emails that people are going to put a coffee on. I mean, I'm the same. Oh, there's an email from David. I know it's going to be long, but I'm going to enjoy the read. But like you said, you alluded to the fact that that is marketing. That's, that's going to produce some income for you. How do we combine those two things successfully? How do we learn to do that?
1: When you send an email, you're giving them something, hopefully. And I don't send an email unless I can answer the question, what's the gift? Is there a gift in this, for my honest? Maybe it's just the feeling of that they've been given permission to be more creative with their photography. Or I wrote a post recently that was, you know, have your work printed print your work without printing your work. You may not want to learn to be a printer. You may not want to buy a printer and buy the inks, and the, but I can't, how can you get all the benefits of having your work printed? And, and I got so many responses saying, Oh, thank you so much. I want my work printed, but I don't want to be the one to do it. I don't have the time to learn it. Well, it's a craft all its own. I don't really want to spend the money. I've crunched the numbers and <laughs> I could buy a car for the price of all the inks and papers and whatever. So that's the gift that I gave them in that there was no sales opportunity. There was no, oh, and by the way, I've got a book on printing. <laughs> um, I was just telling them, I'm a lousy printer. I don't like printing. It frustrates me. And here's how I deal with it as a photographer who wants to honor their craft by having their photographs in print. So that's one of them. But no email exists on its own. It's one email over. A year, two years, many of my subscribers, I would argue the bulk of my subscribers have been following me for over 10 years and have said, "You know, yours is the only email that I still read that I haven't unsubscribed from. But every couple months, every two or three months, there's a series of emails that I hope on their own are very helpful that provide them some insights and some creative freedoms at the end of which is an opportunity for a limited time to enroll in a particular course, whether it's a course about composition or being a travel photographer or whatever. And they have a choice. I can either continue to learn with David in, in this fashion, and that's valuable to me, and put down my credit card, or that's not for me. But I sure love reading what David's got to say, and they keep reading. And maybe it's maybe they're not video course people. Maybe what they want is a hardcover book, and that's why they follow me. Well, every couple of years, a new book comes out, and then you get a bunch of people to say, Oh, that's what I've been waiting for the new book. So that's my opportunity that Gary Vaynerchuk, who is a voice that I think most of your audience should probably listen to at some point, he and I certainly don't agree on everything. He's got his own way and his own audience, but he has one book called Jab, 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 Right Hook. And what I loved about it was the idea of, imagine if your friends only ever sent you emails when they wanted to sell you something or they wanted your help. You never heard from them except when they needed a ride to the airport or they wanted help moving, Right you'd start wondering about the basis of that relationship. But if your friends are constantly sending you notes and checking in on you and there's a back and forth and it's wonderful. And, and every now and then they say, Oh my gosh, I got to get to the airport. Is there any? of course you don't even have to ask. I'll be there. I think it's the same thing with, with our so-called marketing. If what you create, if you, what you send them on a weekly monthly basis and the way you communicate to them is a gift, and in some ways, it's sort of a sample of a bigger a thing that you're going to present them with. And everyone knows I can't give away a 20-video course for free. It's the way I make my living. But I've been serving them relentlessly for for a year, two years, 10 years. So that's when they go, oh. You know what? I know his stuff so well that I have clients that say, David, you're in the shut up and take my money category. That's because I know that when you put out a new course, I'm going to learn so much from it. It's going to be worth way more than what I pay. So just, you know, can you keep my credit card on file? I'm like, well, that's not really the way it works, but I'll let you know when it comes out. That's the sweet spot. That's where you want to get to when the alignment between who you are, what you offer, the way you want to serve the world, and the people that want that that thing. When those align, it's amazing. And the, for me, the email is the, sort of the, the point where they collide the most consistently. And as you point out, brevity is not my gift. You can hear it in the answers to your questions. You <laughs> asked me a seven-word question. And I've been going on for seven minutes. Um, but that's part of my audience. And if someone comes to me and says, you know, well, boy, he sure does go on and on. I'm like, I welcome you. I can introduce you to some photographers who are way briefer than me. That's the recognition that, okay, that guy is not in my audience. And I think photographers freak out about serving, every, being everything to everyone. And if you're everything to everyone, your offering is going to be so diluted that it's nothing to anyone. And I think there's a moment of freedom when you get to that clarity and go, you know, I'm not really making the strongest, most specific choices that I could that would exclude maybe what I think is the possibility of way more people buying my stuff but really serving the people that actually really want your stuff, that actually really love what you make and want more of it. And that's kind of the paradigm that I operate through. They want what you make and they see it, they experience it in your emails in some way, whether it's a YouTube, maybe you're not a writer. Great. Make a YouTube video, make a podcast, do something that gets your thoughts and opinions and concerns and values into the world even if all you do, if I was a wedding photographer, I would have a podcast about love stories. And I would have an ebook about how to plan the most, um, a wedding that was not the least bit overwhelming. How can you make your, obviously I haven't thought up the title of this book yet, but you know, <laughs> how can you plan a wedding that is the least overwhelming? I would be asking myself, those people that love the style of my art, how can I serve them even further? Because I know they're not lying up awake at night going, you know what I really need? I need more photographs. They've got bigger things on their mind. The photography might factor in, but the thing they're concerned about is make this as simple as possible. Assure me that the most important day of my life is not going to go completely off the rails. How can I do that? How can I coordinate between the photographer and the wedding planner so that it's visually a stunning event and there's not Crap in the way of the photographer every time they turn around. There's got to be some way as a wedding photographer listening to this going, yeah, but you know, I'm what's my audience really? I tell you what, if you had a podcast about great love stories that you've seen and experienced, and it was really good because you're just that kind of person, you could never write it. You're not a writer, but you could do that on air kind of thing. You could have the whole country of Australia going, oh my God, that's the photographer I want at my wedding.
0: Yeah. Right? I love
1: it. And your email is only. Maybe it's short. Maybe it's just, hey, I made something for you. It's the next episode of, you know, love tales or whatever. And suddenly you're that. Here's another thing. If people can say, oh, you're that photographer who, and then they fill in the blanks. Oh, you're that photographer. When I was serving the humanitarian market, I did not photograph pitiful things, uh, flies around the eyes, distended bellies. I was that photographer, that humanitarian photographer who photographed hope. So I would go in and I would say to a client, look, if what you want as a journalist, I'm not that guy, because I believe as a donor to organizations like this, that what I'm buying with my money is hope and change. And if all you're showing me, every single publication is that things aren't changing, I'm not going to give you my money. I'm going to give money to the places where I feel like, okay, that one gift of $50 has, has multiplied itself. There's hope, there's change. These are beautiful, creative, wonderful people. That does not mean there's no role for the journalism and for the darker stories. It means I'm not the guy to tell them. Mm -hmm. So I really think if people can say, oh, you're that photographer who fill in the blank, that tells you you're a brand. If they're just like, oh, you're a photographer. And then, you know, in their own mind, they're conjuring up whatever their picture of a photographer is. If that's the case and they've heard of you, then you're not, you're just a commodity. You want to get to the point where, so ask yourself, could someone identify me as, oh, you're that photographer who, I don't know what the answer is for you, but I think it's a valuable test to see whether you're getting closer to an unserved niche or further away.
0: That is gold. That is absolute gold because that is a sign that you're recognized, you're known, you become a brand. I absolutely love that. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you is when I say the word marketing, what does that mean to you? And I was afraid you were going to say Oh, that's email, but it's so much more by the sound of it than email.
1: Just the way I think photography is, is the same thing. I think marketing can be a profoundly human activity. And if it's not, there's a problem. And I would argue that if your marketing is not working, the dots aren't getting connected between you and the other humans in your life. It's a, it's a communication failure. It's a yeah, I'm, I'm remembering this line in cool hand, Luke, you know, he says, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Marketing is a connection between people. Fundamentally is how can I serve you? Forget the fact that it's going to involve an exchange of value for value. How can I serve you? How can I make your life easier? And to do that, I've got to listen first. So, no, it's not email. Email is a mechanism. And the minute email is truly dead, maybe some new social thing comes up and it, it is the answer. You know, Instagram for a while was fantastic, but it changed. And Facebook, same thing. There are mediums, uh, media, I guess, in history that have been more or less relevant, have been used for amazing things, and then. So I don't think we can ever look at just like your business plan. I, for a long time, I mostly made my living selling PDF eBooks. Well, I was not in the business of PDF eBooks. I was in the business of education. And when people stopped reading PDF eBooks when their iPads were so full that they couldn't cram another one on, I could shift not away from my PDF eBook business, but simply take that I'm an educator. How can I do this in a way that is more valuable to the audience that I serve? And it's the same thing with the media that we choose to communicate with. There's, I looked at your guest list and you've got some amazing people that all communicate very different ways that suits them and it suits their audiences. It's a perfect fit, but I don't think any of them, if you said, okay, what's marketing, they would say, it's all SEO. Everything's SEO. It's well, of course not. That's the one thing that they happen to be really good at, but it's SEO in order to touch more people, to bring more value to their life, to be, and it is a, can be a deeply human experience. The less human it is, the more salesy it is. People know when they're being sold to. They hate it. But if you, can, if you can be honest about that, if you can put yourself into your marketing and be a little bit vulnerable and an actual human being rather than writing these corporate, you know, or worse, and I did this for years, writing your emails in the third person, like, you know, you're <laughs> fooling anybody. You know, when you write it in the first person, you have to be a little bit more self-conscious about the promises you make. You have to be a little more... Aware that uh, what you're saying sounds, you know, like who gets on their bio and writes, I'm an award winning photographer. That all of a sudden, when it's I am and I can or I will, well, we dial it down, we get a little bit more human, a little bit more relatable and approachable. I resonate with that as just as a human being, you know, way more than the, you know, I'm not even going to give an example, but the third person thing is just one little. It's just one little sign maybe that that we're trying to be more professional. And I think professional is good, but personal is better every time.
0: I love that. So taking what you've shared so far, if I was a mother and I was a a children or family photographer, I don't have to be talking about photography in my emails. I can talk about being a mother, can't I? I can talk about the struggles and and the, the fun times and the tough times about being a mother in my emails.
1: Absolutely. And the more you know your audience, maybe it's not just I'm a mother, I'm a mother who homeschools in Oregon, and makes, you know, goat yogurt on the weekends, like the more you understand them, the more you understand their struggles, and the more capably you will communicate to them. And, and it's not, it's not the goal of those communications is, gosh, I've got to get them to buy this thing. It's I want to be a part of their lives. I want to solve some problems and when it's time they will come they will come and hire me. So I told you what I would do if I was a wedding photographer. And of course it comes from uh, um I'm unashamedly admitting that I'm totally ignorant of that, you know, that space. So it's purely speculative, but if I were photographing children and families and I'm a photographer who knows that I would be I'd be offering like little mini Courses is the wrong word, but I'd be helping them understand how they with their iPhones could photograph their family every day and how they could make that a little easier, what they could do with their pictures rather than it just being an endless stream of thousands of pictures and then connecting them, maybe connecting them to services, maybe calling a company that makes great little great albums or something and saying, hey, could you give me a 20% coupon for my audience? You don't gain anything except your audience going, oh my God, thank you. And then you show them how to use it. And now they're making little albums, they're valuing photographs more, they're seeing on some hand, they're experiencing some growth in that. And they're like, this is really fun. But they're also recognizing, increasingly recognizing that they're not as good as you are. And if they really want maybe once a year, if they really want some wonderful, you know, like a session of some kind, they're going to have a greater hunger to come to you for that thing than they would if you just left them alone all year didn't teach them anything. And four times a year, you sent them a coupon. Relationships are not built on sending coupons. Totally agree. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says
0: that. (laughs) Great example. David, this has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so, so glad that we got to talk about marketing. Uh, I mean, i mostly read your content on photography. I know you also teach some marketing. I believe you have uh, the standing room only course. Is that sold out for 2022?
1: It is, but it's actually just going to open for enrollment. Um, I'm heading to Kenya in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be gone all February and my team is going to open enrollment so that when I get back, it's in full swing and I'm available. So if anyone's, yes. So it's called standing room only. And the whole idea is you put your heart into your art, you put it into your business. And why is that heart not present in our marketing? Why are we are we so fixated on techniques that don't work? and on being professional over personal. And so it's a 12 lesson course that spans, I think, 16 weeks that gets you. And it does folk, it does get you. The point of the whole thing is to get your mailing list up and running, to serve them in, to serve your audience with that email list. And, and it covers kind of all of that whole big hairball. So if you're actually, even if you're not interested every two weeks, I send an email called The Audience Academy. You can get it at theaudienceacademy.com. And there's an ebook there. I think it's called Three Ways to Stop Marketing and Start Building and Serving Your Audience. I can't remember the name, but it's a short little PDF that'll give you maybe some valuable kind of, there's three steps. Actually, three paradigm changes that were important to me as I built my business and kind of learned the ropes. But if you subscribe to the Audience Academy, you will get those Audience Academy emails. But you will in some time at the beginning of January get the notices. Uh, You'll get sort of a a few emails letting you know, you know, the, the course is opening up and that will be the one opportunity for 20. I've lost track of time, Andrew. 2022 we're going into. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, um, that's right. That's the business course that I offer standing alone only. But if you go to the audienceacademy.com, even if you're not interested in a course, even if that's not your thing, the emails that I send out other than when enrollment opens are not sales emails. They're just genuinely they're here are the he, Here are the lessons that I've learned in building an audience and maybe some changes in the way that we think so that we can kind of reprioritize it does. It's not industry specific most of the people that read it are going to be photographers, but there's lots of creatives that are, are reading it from other disciplines, writers, painters, sculptors, potters, that sort of thing. So.
0: Fantastic. David, look, it's been a real pleasure just to finish off. What are you doing in Kenya? Is that work for an NGO? Is that for personal work?
1: Uh, that is uh, <laughs> it, it's yet another effort in self-care and self-preservation. I haven't gone anywhere in two years. And now that um I've sort of got to the end of my ability to handle all of this, you know, sit down and wait and see what happens. So I'm taking a bit of a shift in my work. I'm focusing more on the wildlife because I don't think I'm going to be in, you know, in the slums in India anytime soon. Because I don't shoot with 200 millimeters when I'm photographing people. I shoot with a 16 millimeter and I'm close, I'm intimate. And that now is not the time for that approach in photography, especially in India, which is under vaccinated and having some real struggles. On top of that, there's my 50th birthday, which is coming up. And we just sort of said, you know what? We just got to, we got to make a go of it. So we're going, we're going to run two back-to-back safaris with, uh, I want to say clients, that's the marketing word, but they're they've become friends. They come back every year. I I don't even market these things anymore. I just say, I'm going to Kenya who's coming. And and so I've got two back-to-back weeks of safari with former clients, now friends that paid to come. And then my wife and I are going to spend two weeks just kind of hanging out on our own and photographing and that sort of thing. So
0: unreal. Well, David, again, safe travels, Merry Christmas, happy new year. And thank you so much. Thank
1: you. You too. Thank you so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with David as much as I did. David, if you are listening, well, first of all, I hope you are safe and well. (laughs) And I hope you've been able to capture some incredible images while you've been away. I'm pretty sure you're away right now as this interview goes live. And uh, also, look, massive thanks for coming on and sharing everything you did. You really are an incredible speaker, a fantastic photographer, and so, so giving. So thank you so much, David. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what David had to share. I've got links to anything and everything that he mentioned in the show notes for today's episode. They are at photobizx.com forward slash 449. In addition to those links, I've got examples of his fantastic work, links to craft and vision, and where you can learn more about the Audience Academy and the Standing Room Only course. It's all there in that one spot. And at the very, very least, I would encourage you to get onto David's email list so you've got a better understanding of exactly what he's talking about and so that you can see for yourself that marketing does not have to be salesy.
1: You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich.
0: One last thing before we close out today's episode. If you weren't able to make the goal setting for photography business owners webinar or training with Jeff Brown last week, I do have a recording available. There were, I was going to say scores of photographers. I don't know if that's a term that's used much anymore. Dozens of photographers on the live call. And we all got so much from what Jeff had to share. He talked about setting your big audacious goals how to break those goals down into smaller achievable chunks into three-month or quarterly periods for the year. And then we went into the, the marketing and business growth ideas to actually meet your targets so you can actually get to your goals and hopefully, hopefully get to your big audacious goal at the end of the year. Now, it doesn't have to be from January to December. The way Jeff was explaining things was that year, that 12 months can start and finish Whenever you like. So, if you would like to access the training, it's all there on the PhotoBizX website. Simply go to photobizx.com forward slash goal setting. You'll see a recording of the live webinar, there's supporting documents, there's links that we were talking about in the chat. You will come away with a ton of business growth ideas for the year if you put aside an hour to take in that training from Jeff and you have a notepad and pen and you actually get involved and participate like everyone did that was on the live call. Now the cost for this training, this is something brand new. This is pay what you think. So if you were on the live training, I would love for you to go back and visit that page as well. photobizx.com forward slash goal setting at the very bottom of the page. There's a little area there where you can pay whatever you like for the training. What was it worth to you? There's no pressure to do this. It's an honesty thing. And I'm trying to gauge how valuable this kind of training is if I should continue to pursue photography business coaches to keep presenting mini courses like this one for you. So in addition to paying what you want for the training, I'd also love your feedback. Let me know what you thought of the training, what you loved about it, what could be approved with it. If you like the way it's being presented now on the site, I'm happy for any of your feedback, positive or negative, because if there's a way to make things better and more effective for you, I would love to know about it. And if you are stuck, unsure what to do next to grow your business, don't know how to improve your marketing, not sure what steps to take next, are feeling overwhelmed, stuck in a rut, or find yourself scrolling through Instagram and Facebook feeds instead of actually getting work done, you you need to attend this training and implement the things that Jeff was sharing. It will be super helpful, I promise. Alrighty, that is it for me for this week of the podcast. Again, massive thanks to David Dusherman for coming on sharing what he did. Don't forget to check out Megan DePiro's interview if you haven't heard that one from last week. Check out the training from Jeff Brown. And if you are a premium member, I'll see you inside the members' Facebook group. If you're listening to the free version of the podcast, why, what are you doing? You're missing out on so, so much. Go and check out the trial membership and have a look at that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. All right, that's it for me. I'm heading out on my bike. The plan for today is the mighty Mount Hotham. Well, mighty in our world. Uh, it's about a 30k climb, 30km climb. It's a brutal beast of a climb, especially the first and last 10km. It's a little bit flatter in the middle. It should be about, I'm thinking, about an hour and a half to do the climb from the bottom to the top. And it's about a, a 30k ride out to the base of the climb. So, a big day on the bike coming up. And yes, I do do this for fun. <laughs> All right, have a great week wherever you are in the world. Stay safe, healthy and well, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.
1: If you have enjoyed this episode,
0: head to photobizx.com.
1: Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest.